you're striking that balance of credibility and conversions and design elements and so on and so forth. I think that's the thing a lot of people struggle with and they are aware of so many things you could add to a store which might boost conversions, but when you add them all in together, it doesn't necessarily make it a better solution. You're listening to The Growth Booth, the show focused on achieving lifestyle freedom through online businesses. Whether you're looking for step-by-step strategies to start building an online business, simple game plans to grow your business, or proven lifestyle freedom frameworks, you are in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the thousands of listeners already in growth mode. Aiden Booth here. Welcome back to episode five of The Growth Booth. Great to have you with me today. Today, we are starting a two-part sequence where we're going to be talking about the anatomy of the perfect e-commerce store. And there's no one better in the world to talk to this thing about, in my opinion, than uh, my business partner, Sean Agnew. And I may be slightly biased here, but I have worked with uh, Sean and a huge amount over the past few years. And this is a guy that knows uh, e-commerce and particularly particularly uh, shopping platforms inside and out. So what we're going to do in this episode is dive into talking about the front end of a shopping platform. And by that, I mean everything you can control uh, on your page to help you get more conversions. And then in the follow-up episode, we'll talk about a lot of the things you can do behind the scenes to increase uh, you know, lifetime value of, of your customers, conversions, and other bits and pieces there. So diving into this one, uh, Sean, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to, to join us here. Sure. Thanks for having me. So when we think about the front end and the things that we can control, I really just want to serve up a whole bunch of different ideas to people here. And the first one that comes to mind is the layout of the page. What are your thoughts around the ideal layout of an e-commerce page in 2022? So when you're thinking of the layout of your page, I think we're specifically talking about your product page, right? So Right. You know, you have your e-commerce website. And that's one thing I want to throw out there too is you get a lot of people that focus on making their homepage pretty and things like that. And and that's all wonderful. But it, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things of actually converting a, a product into a sale, right? So when it comes to your actual product page, you want to think about it as putting this stuff that is going to get yourself a sale at the very uh, top of the page. And then you sort of have all those other secondary things uh, below the page. And the reason why I say that is most of the sales these days actually are coming off mobile devices, right? So on your, you know, on your phone here, you only have a certain finite amount of space on the screen to actually entice the buyer, right? So really the most important things are going to be your, your headline. You know, what is your product called? And I think that's an often overlooked aspect of your product. You know, you sort of want to have a headline that obviously describes what the product is, but also leads with some, you know, powerful keywords that it could increase the chances of somebody buying your product. You want to have like your best product image um, there as well. And then, you know, I like to have reviews if you have them uh, right under the product image. So you sort of have like your title your image, your reviews, and then your price. And then you want to have your buy now button or add to cart button. You know, you want to test the words on that and make it big, 
green button or red button usually are your best options. And those would sort of be your four or five elements you really uh, want to nail. There are other things, of course, we can talk about um, that are going to help as well. But those are sort of the main ones that you want to nail on, on your product page. So just going back to headline, this is something that's going to appear at the top of the page. Um, in terms of keywords, is there a rule that you like to follow for like how long should that be? Because I know in the past, some people have fallen into the trap of keyword stuffing and having big, long, you know, titles for, for a product. What, what's your sort of best practice here? I mean, I like to keep... So there's two things to the headline, right? There's a the headline everyone sees, i.e. the one that will be on the page when somebody visits your product. So if we're talking about... I don't know, I'm just looking at my desk here. I have these, these Apple AirPod Maxes, right? Like I wouldn't want to call these like black noise canceling headphones for airplane work and so on and so forth. It's just too long, right? So my title, I might call these what it is, Apple AirPods Max, right? Or black Apple AirPods Max or something, maybe four or five, you know, keywords. But if you are running ads on like Google uh, or Microsoft, there is a way uh, via apps or if you have a, a certain platform, for example, there is a way to add more keywords into your headline that Google sees that allows you to sort of rank higher in the search engines and in the advertising platforms without the customer actually seeing it. So on the customer facing end, they might just see like black Apple AirPods Max. But on the back end behind the scenes, like in your H1 tags and things like that, you can um, have a way longer headline where you stuff you know, 10, 11, 12 keywords. I think you can get 80 characters, I'm not mistaken, in, in the headline um, when it comes to sending a product to like Google Shopping or something like that. So that's how I would approach it. You want to keep your customer facing headline like short and sweet, but you know, save your keyword stuffing for sort of like the metadata that goes off to Google and the search engines and the advertising platforms. Yeah, I think um, if in doubt, people always need to remember that they're selling to a human uh, at the mm -hmm. end of the day. Um, and so as you're building out your e-commerce store or any website for that matter, that should be the the first thing that you keep at the forefront of your mind and think, how would you react if you were a visitor going to that that page? Would it uh, send off alarm bells about credibility being maybe not all that high or would it display uh, integrity and, and trust? Um, and on that note of integrity and trust, what are the kinds of things that you can add to a product page to help build that up? You mentioned one before about reviews. Now, obviously, that's a form of social proof, but but what else can you do? Yeah, I think reviews are are generally probably the number one thing you can have on a product, right? Like if if you're selling, you know, just because I just showed these, if you're selling like uh, you know, earbuds, headphones, whatever, and you don't have any reviews and somebody is selling a similar product and they have like a thousand reviews, well, the person with a thousand reviews is, is likely are gonna get the sale, right? Especially out of price and other things considered. Let's say the price is the same and the headphones look the same. Reviews could be the difference between a sale and no sale. But um, other things that people look for, free shipping, um, or if you can't offer free shipping, at least make it clear to the customer that your shipping is really fast. You know, people will pay $4.99 for shipping that's going to come in two to three days kind of thing. Okay. So if you can offer that, uh, wonderful. If you can offer both fast and free shipping, even better. People want to see a return policy. I think it's pretty standard to have a 30-day, no questions asked return policy. Um, everybody's buying stuff online these days. And, you know, people just want to be uh, 
rest of the people want to have assurance that if they don't like the product for any reason, they can just send it back. Um, so fast and free delivery, um, reviews, uh, easy 30 day, no question asked return policy. I think those are the three, um, you know, main ones. And then of course, you know, having your, um, you know, address and business name and stuff like that, like display very readily on your website. So people know that you're not just some fly by night, you know, uh, store that is like selling junk from China kind of thing. Um, I think is also important. So, um, you mentioned a few things about, um, important pages, um, there. So about us, contact us. Um, mm. what about having an 800 number? Is this something that you, or a phone number is this something that you like to have um, throughout your websites? I think you know. I think as your store grows, it's it's nice to have. Um, I think obviously you need to have an email. You know, somebody needs to be able to contact you. Um, that's quite important. But you know, one eight hundred numbers. Uh, personally, I think they're they're a little bit overrated. I mean, as you grow, sure, it's wonderful if you can have somebody on staff to take those phone calls. But in the beginning, it's definitely not something that's necessary. You can, of course, set up like an automated service. You can go to like uh, Grasshopper. Um, you can get like a 1-800 number. I think it's like 20 or $30 a month. It's really cheap. And you can just set up like an automated, you know, voice recording kind of thing that really just tells people your, your line is busy and to email you. You could do stuff like that. Um, but you know, I, um, I, just... I, yeah, go ahead. No, just just uh, when you mentioned Grasshopper, that brought back some memories because on my very first uh, e-commerce store, much been about a, a decade ago now, I remember I had Grasshopper and it was all set up. For those of you that don't know what it is, it's an automated uh, phone system, basically. And the way that I had mine set up was someone would call me on my store and it would always go to an answer phone, but it would give them a menu of options. You know, what do you want to do? Are you, have you got a sales inquiry? Are you an existing customer? Um, and then the message would be something along the lines of, hey, you know, we are either out, out of office hours or busy with another customer. Leave a message and we'll get back to you. So people would leave a message. That message would get zapped through to my email. Um, and then I could press the play button in my email and hear it and decide what I wanted to do with it. But a decade ago, this was like, oh my God, you can actually do things like this completely automated. You can make it feel like a real, you know, store with, uh, you know, all kinds of support channels and fast forward to today. And I mean, that's just uh, bare basics. I mean, you can get very, very sort of technical with, with those uh, elements. They're also, I think a lot cheaper nowadays because there's more competition. I think there's a lot of free options. I think toll free forwarding was, Toolfreeforwarding.com, uh, yeah, that's one of them. There's lots of them out there. Google search will uncover dozens of them. Um, something else that we we haven't spoken about were displaying the different types of payments that you get. I think that's another one because some people want to pay in a certain way. What are you, what are your thoughts on the types of payments that you need to be able to accept? Yeah, we've tested this in the past. Um, I have a huge hate for PayPal. I think many people do um, in the space because, you know, it doesn't always happen, but they can hold your money, you know, and then you can't get a hold of them. And, you know, they're just a real pain to deal with in the, in the internet marketing space. Right. So I really try, I've tried over the years not to use them as much as possible, but the reality is when you remove PayPal off your store as a method of purchase, it lowers your conversion rates dramatically. Um, so offering, you don't want to offer too many methods of payments because then you get the paradox of choice, right? If you have like seven different payment methods, people get overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. 
But generally speaking, if you can just off at the very bare minimum, if you offer credit card and PayPal, it's going to increase your conversion drastically. Um, we have seen some good stuff out of Amazon Pay as well. Um, and of course, now there's a lot of, you know, crypto and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of a, a cool thing to have on your store, people who want to pay with, you know, Bitcoin and things like that. But yeah, definitely having at least credit card and PayPal, it, it's a bare minimum uh, for your store. You're going to lose a lot of sales. I think with PayPal, they offer that sort of extra layer of protection, right? People can open up like a PayPal dispute against you for whatever reason. I've had it even before, no joke. I've had this happen on my store where somebody ordered something like on a like, Sunday morning and then Sunday night I had a PayPal dispute. I was like, well, what did you like? What did you want me to like helicopter this thing over to your house? Like, I don't understand, you know, how this <laughs> happens. So, but I think people, customers just generally um, trust PayPal to have their back if something goes wrong. Whereas like they don't necessarily know who you are, right? Like you can have all the trust badges on your store and you know that you're not going to scam somebody. But adding that extra layer of protection from your customer by having PayPal on your store, um, I think a lot of people like to use it for that. And people also, maybe they don't remember their credit card. They, everybody knows their PayPal username and password. So it's just easy to check out, right? So uh, definitely have those two on your store. It's also um, a case of sort of inserting that little um, icon that shows yeah. Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, um, and whatever else, just American Express, just slightly below the click here to buy button because that could be if you've got a, a simple payment method that someone is used to using in the past and everyone's you know, using credit cards and a lot of people with PayPal, then sometimes that can be the the, the game changer, the deal breaker, and them deciding to buy because they can think, oh, well, they've got uh, they've got PayPal. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that decision, and it also lends a little bit of credibility to your store because. You know, as an e-commerce entrepreneur, if you've got your own e-commerce stores, you'll know that it's pretty easy. Uh, it's incredibly easy to be able to accept payments, accept Mastercard, accept Visa, and and PayPal, and so on and so forth. But for the average person who is not an e-commerce entrepreneur, they may think that, oh wow, okay, these guys, you know, you you have to be real to sort of accept these types of payments. And I think it it sort of lends a wee bit more credibility there. Something we've done a lot with in the past, continuing along this theme of uh, credibility and integrity, are um, trust seals and trust badges. What's your take on on these in, in 2022? I think they're like a good secondary layer of protection. Having like 100% satisfaction guaranteed or having... If you have like a McAfee like SSL certificate on your website, I think those things um, definitely have some value. I don't think they're, they're like going to make or break a sale usually, but it just gives extra trust to the customer. So having things like... Uh, you know, fast and free shipping and a 30-day no questions asked return policy are are definitely going to be much more valuable and increase your sales, having reviews as well. But sure, if you if you can have like an SSL certificate, people know that you keep their information private and your checkout is secure, things like that, definitely gonna help add trust to your website. I think um one of the real keys is kind of finding that nice balance between having enough trust elements, enough credibility yeah. elements, enough That's conversion elements. Because you can imagine a page where you You've got a phone number at the top, an email address below that. You've got like right. 50 different payment methods. You've got all these trust seals and badges and this, that, and the other. And it would just look like a cluttered 
mess. And this has been one of the things that we've tried really hard to do with Cartsy, which is our own e-commerce platform that Sean is um, a co-founder of that with me. We've tried to make it so that you've got this out of a box, out of the box solution, really, where you've you're striking that balance of credibility and conversions and you know design elements and so on and so forth. I think that's the thing that um, a lot of people struggle with and they are aware of so many things you could add to a store which might add, you know boost conversions. But when you add them all in together, it doesn't necessarily make it a better solution. If you're thinking about cooking, you know, there's lots of different spices that you you might enjoy. If you add all of those spices at the same time to to what you're cooking, then maybe what you're cooking is not going to taste that good anymore. And it's a little bit like that with um, e-commerce. So I think you need to take all of these things with a grain of salt. And um, just as a reminder, we do have show notes, uh, show highlights, uh, transcription, uh, and links to some of the resources that we're mentioning here over at thegrowthbooth.com. So you can always go there to check this out later and we'll have more details about uh, Cartsy uh, there as well. Now, in terms of the product description and benefits. What is your approach to this? Because if you've got a store which may have hundreds of different products on potentially, how do you find that balance between how much is enough essentially for bullets and then description? Yeah, this is a sort of multi-layered question because if if you have an e-commerce store, chances are you have you know over time, you're going to have a few hundred products on there, right? And chances are out of those few hundred products, you know, 80-20 rule, you might have, you know, 10 or 15 that are actually, you know, making you all your sales. So uh, a well-written product description is going to probably be somewhere in the length of 500 plus words. Um, You know, you want to lead with the benefits of the product. Um, You know, you you made a good point there. You don't just want to like list off the features. Like this headset is like, it's black. It's big. I don't know. You don't want to say something. Yeah. I want to talk about maybe the noise canceling features and how this is a wonderful thing to have on the airplane because it really, you know, when I put it on my ears. Um, you know that you know the um, thing to to jump in there for a second. Um, the thing that I always remember when, and this is one of the best copywriting tips that that I ever got was when I'm writing a product description. If I end with so that it tees me up perfectly to pull out that benefit. So for example, noise canceling headphones that will block out noise so that you can enjoy the peace and quiet while you travel. Soft uh, padded sections around the ear. So that's a feature, but you turn it into a benefit by saying so that you don't get a sore head when you're wearing these things. So just that those two words, so that if you add that to the end of whatever you're describing, that always pulls out the benefit. So just a bit of a side note there ties in with yeah, what you're no, saying. That's, that's exactly kind of where I was going with that. It's, and that's what you want to start with. Before you write your product description, really understand you know the top three to five benefits that this item will offer a potential buyer. And that's sort of where you want to start. Everything after that is almost just filler. People aren't going to sit there and read like a thousand words of a product description, right? So you want to lead with the benefits of why somebody should buy this product right at the beginning. Why would you want to have a long product description then? Um, You want to have it from a perspective of if you're ever trying to rank in Google, or you want to write like, or you want to advertise in Google or, or, or Microsoft, for example, 
Um, they crawl your page. Honestly, too, when you're running Facebook ads or TikTok ads, um, I, I think there is some validity to the theory that those who have a better, a better landing page experience, those who have more high quality content on their page, those who, who have users who click to your page and that user spends a lot of time on your page, um, that's going to help lower your CPM. It's going to help lower your advertising costs. Okay. So having a really well-written description when you're, when you're running ads, I think is, is quite important um, because it's going to lower your costs over time. Now, from an actual buying perspective, though, the, I don't think having a thousand words, for example, in your product description actually does anything. <laughs> I, don't think the, I don't think the user cares. But that's why when you're crafting your description, you want to craft it in a way that leads with those three to five benefits sort of at the beginning of your product description. So the potential buyer sees that. And then maybe below all that, you would have, you know, five, six, seven paragraphs or something um, that talk more about your product. And also that paragraph, those paragraphs should have a bunch of keywords that could help you rank in Google and, and things like that. So might be a little bit of a long-winded answer there. The short of it is like you want to lead with the benefits and you want to have, you know, a few hundred extra words in there below that are going to help you with your ad costs. And if you think about the biggest um, e-commerce um, store in the world, Amazon, I mean, there's a reason why they do it this way. They've got oh, yeah. um, bullets, point. You know, bullets at the top. Um, scroll down a little bit further and you get into the description. I think the one area, the one time when a longer uh, or more detailed description um, or perhaps product videos and things like that can start boosting conversions is when you start um, to raise the price. So if I'm buying something that's 30 bucks, you know, it's an impulse buy, you know, I read one benefit and I'll buy it. Uh, if I'm buying something that's $3,000, like let's say I'm buying um, an e-bike or something, then I may want to really get into the weeds of finding out uh, exactly uh, what that e-bike can do, all the specifications, all the gory details, because I'm spending multiple thousand dollars. It might not be uh, an impulse um, decision there. Now, a couple more things here, and we will uh, wrap up. I am conscious of the time. One thing I want to say is that in the next episode of The Growth Booth, the second in this series with Sean here, we are going to be getting into some of the things that people get really excited about and can really move the needle. I'm talking about um, the types of conversion widgets and uh, different bells and whistles that uh, you can add to a store, or if it's a good store platform like Cartsy, um, it'll already have them uh, built in. And we'll talk more about those on the next episode so make sure that you tune in and absolutely watch the next episode in terms of images and videos every product needs an image is there a time when you would also recommend that a product should have a video sean i think videos are always good if you have them readily available i think um just from a perspective i'm always thinking i always think in the future right so like one of the biggest things, and we'll probably talk about that in the next call, that you can make a lot of money off of is, is SEO and having your product pages rank. Like if I'm trying to sell headphones and somebody goes to Google and types in like best noise cancellation headphones, you know, can I have my store pop up, right? So having videos on your page definitely helps with things like that. It definitely could put people over the edge to showing your, your product in action and being demoed. That being said, if there is no um, you know, video readily available, are you really going to invest the time and the money, quite frankly, 
um, to either, you know, order a product to your house and do the video yourself, or maybe you get somebody off of Fiverr or whatever to do a, a product video for you, or you, you, you know, procure a customer um, to, to send you a product video on every single product on your store, you know, probably not. Right. So I would say with your winning products, the products that are actually making you sales. And when I gave the analogy before of having 300 products on your store, but maybe only 10 to 15 are winners, those 10 to 15. Yes. I think there is some value in, in having product videos. Um, I think they help too. When you, when you go to advertising on Facebook, uh, TikTok is only video. That's that's an advertising platform that's just been crushing it for me in the last few months. So yeah, on your winning products, I think video is definitely something that would add some value. Awesome. And one one last thing that I wanted to get your thoughts on was around the price. So mm-hmm. how you show the price, if you show a discount, where and how do you show the price? And is there anything special that, that you can do to make that more effective? Yeah. So... Pricing back in the day, I say back in the day, I've only been in e-commerce for like nine years, but well, that, that's like a gazillion years of like dog years it, or something. Is, so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like 80 years in e-commerce talk, but uh, you know, even just as, as short as just a couple years ago, you could do whatever you want. Like you could say um, these headphones, you know, now 99.99 or 699.99. You could say stuff like that. And not that people would buy it, but you know, advertising platforms and things like that—they didn't care. You know, now um, you know if you say stuff like that, you can actually get your account, your ad account, shut down. You know, you can't just have these outrageous fake discounts. Okay, so if these—if you are running a discount on your 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 product, awesome. That's totally fine. Um, or if you are marking it down, I would say anywhere up to like 20 or 30%, also fine. You just want to keep in mind, you can't make outrageous claims. Okay. So if these headphones are $99.99, it's not outrageous to say I marked them down from $149.99. You know what I mean? So I think there is. So basically, still- you just can't, you basically, you just can't scam people. You have to be like right. a decent, decent human being. Yes. And um, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is as we move forward in the world of the internet, we're moving further and further away from like the wild, wild west where you could just do anything. It's good. Uh, for people, and um, you know, you just have to, I guess, be aware because yeah, I guess discounts are fine. You just have to make sure they're real. That's what real, I'm getting exactly. at. Like, you can't just make up these crazy ass discounts <laughs> like you used to be able to do. You know, you can't do that anymore. It used to be kind of like the norm. It was like the standard operating procedure. Okay. And everyone did. I mean, it was even yeah. on, on Amazon, and, and all the big stores were like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, it was $500, now $100. Like, you know, I think people wised up. So even doing that now wouldn't even help your conversions anyway. No. Um, it's always better to just lead with, you know, the integrity and put a real discount if there's a real discount or perhaps um, to be able to create that real discount, you will genuinely sell a product at a couple of hundred dollars on your store for one week a month. And then for three weeks a month, it might be discounted or something, but do it in a way that's real um, so that, you know, if you ever put on the stand, um, you know, which would, ne- would hopefully never happen, then you'll be able to uh, say, yeah, you know, that that's a real discount. I mean, so that's all you're And if I can add to that, like what I like to do now is I utilize, you know, almost all my uh, products are in the US. So I like to utilize, you know, USA holidays and things like that. So you can always have an Easter sale, Memorial Day sale, July 4th sale. There's always an opportunity for a sale where you can do a real discount. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, look, we've been through a ton of things and we're still just scratching the surface, which is why we're going to have Sean back on another episode. For this episode, though, you can head over to thegrowthgrowth.com, find episode number five. You will see the show highlights. You'll be able to download uh, the transcript, uh, see other resources and get uh, a lot of other bits and pieces there. So um, Sean, thank you so much. We are excited to have you back uh, in the next episode and we'll be able to dive into more. So thanks for joining us here, Sean. Thank you. We'll see you on the next episode, guys. 